All right. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Pastor. Amen. Good morning, everybody. So good to see you again. Everybody been doing well? All right. Smile real big at somebody and tell them, I'm glad you're in church this morning. You can be seated. Praise the Lord. Well, I am very, very proud of Jack and Michelle. And, uh, you know, it just proves you can go from the wheelbarrow to the pulpit. <laughs> Hallelujah. If you do a good job with the wheelbarrow. Amen. I have a pastor friend out in California, and he started out cleaning toilets. Did you have to do that, Jack? What you yeah, okay. And he, he, uh, he always says, from the, from the toilet to the pulpit. Amen. Dylan, you did, you did good, son. Very good. Amen. Dylan was um, going to Texas Tech. And while he was there, he heard the call of God and said, Pop, I want to come home and train with you. Can I come to work in the ministry and you mentor me? So he's been doing that now for, what, about a year now? And uh, so it's always good to know that you've made an impact in your own grandchildren. Amen. 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 And um, it's wonderful to, to think they want to be like you. Praise God. Amen. Pastor Jack, you guys are very special to us. And we love you. We thank God for you. And we celebrate with you today. Well, it's not exactly today, but it was this time 32 years ago when you guys started in your home, I believe. And uh, thank you for being faithful. Thank you for staying the course. Hallelujah. Let's give them another good hand. Praise God. And of course, I know you were forced to because Mary Jean wouldn't let you quit. Amen. Praise God. All right. Hallelujah. Open your Bibles this morning, first of all, to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. <clears throat> now, Dylan, is this my water or was it yours? It's mine? Okay. And let me give you this, Dylan. You can take this back. I won't need it. I carry them just in case. I'll be 75 here in a few days. And I still have great eyesight. Yeah. Hallelujah. I don't have to, I only use glasses if I've been reading a lot or I've been flying a lot or driving a lot, if my eyes are tired, but I can still read right out of this Bible, praise God, but I carry them along just in case, but uh, I already decided I don't need them this morning. Hallelujah. Let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7. You're all familiar with it. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Look at your neighbor and say, I do not have a spirit of fear. Tell somebody else, I do not have a spirit of fear. Fear not is one of the most repeated commands in the Bible. It appears nearly 150 times with those words, fear not. Now, it appears uh, a number of other times, over 350 times, in some form of fear not. But the actual phrase, fear not, 
appears nearly 150 times in the Bible. And the reason being is because God doesn't want us controlled by fear. Fear is not from God. It's the very opposite of faith. Faith pleases God. Faith attracts God. Fear is of the devil and it attracts the devil. And I don't want Satan involved in my life in any way. So I refuse to fear. David once said, I will not fear. He made a a bold declaration, a bold choice. I will not fear. Tell somebody next to you, I will not fear. It was a conscious decision on his part. And it's found in Psalm chapter three and verse six. He says, I will not fear. And then in Psalm 23, four, it starts with these words, even though, and that implies meaning or implies no matter what, I will not fear, even though, in other words, no matter what I might be experiencing or I might be going through, I refuse to fear. And then Psalm 27, one says, the Lord is the strength of my life. I will not fear. Whom shall I fear? The message translation says, with him on my side, I'm fearless. Tell somebody, I'm fearless too. Amen. Verse three from the message translation of Psalm 27 says, when all hell breaks loose, I'm collected and cool. Hallelujah. That's my confession. No matter what's happening around me, I'm collected and I'm cool. Amen. My wife has said many, many times, Um, my husband just refuses to fear. And I do, I refuse to allow fear in my life, no matter what's going on around me. But my question is, does that describe you this morning? David goes on to say in verse 13 of that same Psalm from the message translation, I'm sure now I'll see God's goodness. Stay with God, take heart, don't quit. Amen. Don't quit. Quitting is never an option for a believer. Stay with God. Stay in faith. Psalm 77 verse 14 from the message translation says, from the King James, it says, you're the God that doeth wonders. But from the message translation, it says, you're the God who makes things happen. So if you stay with God and you stay in faith, then he will make things happen for you. Someone give the Lord a good shout if you believe it. Now today... Many of God's people have allowed the spirit of fear to hang over them and to cause them to let go of their dreams. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20, it says that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. The Amplified adds this, that we dare ask dare think, dare request, and even dare dream. Now, you folks here are from the South. I think everybody here is from the South except Michelle. (laughs) But we Southern boys grew up with double dog daring others to do certain things. And growing up, I never passed up a double dog dare. I was told as a young boy, if you ever pass up a double dog dare, then you're not worth your salt. So I never, never, never passed up a double dog dare. I'm not saying it was smart on my part, 
but I did not ever pass up a double dog dare. And I remember when I was in college, uh, there was, I, I went to college in Natchitoches, Louisiana at Northwestern State. And there was a river there and my roommate and I were lifeguards on the river, had a swimming area. And uh, when we weren't in class, we had jobs as lifeguards. And uh, one, one time, Carolyn, she was a senior in high school. I was in my second year of college. And she, she and I had started dating. And my roommate, his girlfriend was the same age as Carolyn, and they were both in high school together. And so we invited them to come to Natchitoches and, and uh, spend the day with us, go on a picnic on the river and, and just have a day together. So they drove up. It's about 70 miles from Shreveport where I grew up. And uh, they came out on the river and, and uh, we're just sitting there on a blanket. A lot of people are out that day, beautiful sunny day. And we're having a picnic. And somebody come tap me on the shoulder, one of my friends. And he said, it's your time. I said, okay. So I got up. Carolyn said, where are you going? I said, you see that bridge over there? She said, yeah. I said, I'm about to dive off that bridge. She said, why would you do that? I said, because I got a double dog dare. She said, well, that doesn't mean you have to do it. I said, oh, yes, it does. She said, you're going to dive off that bridge? I said, no, actually, I'm going to climb up on top and dive off. I've already dove off of it. And he double dog dared me to climb up on top and dive off the, the upper structure. She said, you're not going to do that, are you? I said, yes, it's a double dog dare. You don't understand. You have to double dog. You have to uh, fulfill the double dog dare. She said, you're stupid. I said, I may be, but I've never passed up a double dog dare. She said, have you even checked at the bottom if there's any rocks or anything down there? I said, no. She said, you're stupid. I said, I may be, but I never pass up a double dog dare. And so I walked up there and climbed up on top of that structure. And it was windy that day. And I'm, I'm just hanging on up there on a little plate. And it's, it's quite high. And so I dove off. And I came back and then I walked over and tapped him. I said, your time. Now the rule was, whatever you did, the next person had to add something to it. So he not only had to dive, but he had to do a one and a half because I already did the dive. He said, I'm not doing that. I said, you chicken. He said, I may be a chicken, but I'm not going to die. And then somebody came up and tapped me and said, well, then you do it. Carolyn said, you're not going to do it, are you? I said, oh yeah. You don't pass up a double dog there. She said, Jerry, you're stupid. What if, what if you hit something down there? I said, I've already dove off of it. Apparently there's nothing there. I'm still alive. She said, but you may not hit that same spot. I said, I'm going to do it. And I did a one and a half off of it. Now, later I was at Jefferson, Texas at Lake of the Pines. Anybody ever been to Lake of the Pines? It's a beautiful lake there in Jefferson, Texas. And one of my buddies dared me to jump off the bridge there. And I did. It was a double dog dare. And I jumped off the bridge and the shore patrol came up. Now you have to understand, I haven't always been the big hunk of a man that I am today. I used to be little. 
okay? And I weighed, uh, at that time, I weighed about 114 pounds. And I'm 19 years old. And the shore patrol come up and he said, son, did you check under that bridge before you dove off? I said, no. He said, there was a catfish caught last week that weighed over 100 pounds that was under that bridge. If you'd have been here last week and done that, he would have swallowed you. I said, well, then I would have been like Jonah in the Bible. I hear God because I believe God lives on the southern side of heaven. He's southern. And I hear God saying, Jerry, I double dog dare you to think big, ask big, and dream big. And since I've never passed up a double dog dare, I'm not about to when God is giving me the dare. Can you say amen? amen? But you know, March of 2020 changed a lot of things for a lot of people. I remember I was in Denver preaching and uh, I was there on a Saturday and Sunday morning and Sunday night. And as soon as I got out of the service Sunday night, I, I got in our airplane and flew home. And the next morning uh, was when the announcement came that COVID had hit and everything shut down. So from March the 20th or March, about uh, the middle of March, 2020, uh, everything stopped as far as traveling, meetings, and so forth. I didn't leave Fort Worth again until August of that same year. Now, I did meetings with Brother Copeland at Eagle Mountain Church in, uh, at his headquarters. They were virtual campaigns. So we did them in the studio there, and only about 10 people were allowed in the audience. And we did meetings, but we didn't leave the city of Fort Worth. So I didn't leave the city until August. And uh, I was up in Missouri preaching. And boy, people were so ready to get out of the house. The place was packed out. It was a small church. They packed it out. There were people standing outside. They were so ready to get out of the house. And, uh, and I had to cancel all of my overseas meetings. I, I was scheduled to be in uh, all over Europe. Uh, and then shortly after that, I was scheduled to be all over Africa. And then after that, I was scheduled to be in Australia. Had to cancel all of that. And in fact, we haven't traveled overseas since February of 2020. Now, I have been able to do overseas meetings in my studio uh, back home. In fact, I just did one for our churches in Australia just last weekend. And uh, uh, the response has been great. But, you know, the restrictions are still there, especially in some of the African nations and in Melbourne, Australia, it's even worse than some of the other nations that we are accustomed going to. But in the midst of all that, when people were screaming, worst of times, worst of times, dreams that I had had and held on to for 20 years came to pass during the worst of times. I didn't stop dreaming. I didn't stop believing. I didn't allow fear to come into my life because God has not given us the spirit of fear. Amen. You can take it on, but it's not from God. And I want to encourage you this morning, no matter what is going on around you, no matter what's happening in your neck of the woods, as they say, don't allow fear to control you. 
And don't allow fear to rob you of your dreams. The same God that gave you that dream is still on his throne. He still wants to fulfill that dream. So you hang on to it and don't let go of it. Can you shout amen, somebody? Amen. Deuteronomy chapter one, verse 21 says, fear not, neither be discouraged. Fear and discouragement go hand in hand. You don't find one without the other. People that are fearful, they're also discouraged. To become discouraged means to be deprived of hope, hope for tomorrow, hope for the future. And when you've been deprived of hope, then you have no motivation to keep on keeping on. And that's the reason why Satan wants you to allow fear to grip you because he does not want you experiencing God's best for your life. You're fully aware of that. He does not want you experiencing the fulfillment of the promises of God in your life. And fear will, will, will put you in a position where you forfeit those things because fear activates Satan just like faith activates God. The Bible says that faith is the substance of things hoped for. Fear is the substance of things dreaded. They're opposite forces. And you can't have both of them at the same time. You either have faith or you have fear. If you have faith, then praise God, no fear. If you have fear, then no faith. So you have to make the decision. Which one are you going to allow in your life? Now, a lot of people are saying right now, but you don't understand what's going on. Yes, I understand what's going on. I'm still alive. I live on this planet too. I understand what's going on. Amen. But I have decided, and I did this decision 52 years ago, and I haven't changed. And I'm not about to. Uh, Why would I want to change? My mama didn't raise no fool. This works. Amen. And it's still working. Praise God. Faith is still the victory that overcometh the world. And I've lived that way for 52 years, coming up 53 years, and I'm not about to change now. Amen. Amen. So you have to make the decision. Which one are you going to be controlled by? Faith or fear? Can you say amen? amen? The Bible says that we walk by faith and not by sight. How many of you know that? You, all of you know that. We walk by faith and not by sight. So apparently it's what we see sometimes that creates fear. It's what we hear sometimes that creates fear. And what better way for Satan to get fear into your life than a television set? Don't shout me down now because I'm preaching good. As Brother Hagin used to say, amen. It's amazing to me. In fact, my wife told me not too long ago. Uh, she, she has these friends that are, they're constantly texting each other about what's going on, you know, with the media. And she'll tell me, uh, she'll send me these same texts. I don't want to hear them. I don't want to see them. But she insists. And um, she just keeps sending them. And I say, Carolyn, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to read that stuff. I don't want to see it. 
And she sends him anyway. <laughs> that woman thou gavest me. <laughs> but I love her, you know, and I'm thankful for her. And, uh, and one day she said, Jerry, watching this stuff on TV is depressing. I said, yes, it is. That's the reason I'm not watching it. And I, wanna, I don't want to hear about it. Now, somebody said, yeah, but don't you want to be informed? I am informed. I just don't let CNN give me my information. Amen. I, I, I like what was asked in the Bible. Whose report will you believe? Amen. I'm going to believe the report of the Lord. And the report of the Lord is, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? amen. And uh, Carolyn says, this, this stuff is depressing from if I watch it very long. I said, well, don't you remember the story about the, the man who went to the doctor? And he said, doc, every time I raise my arm up real high like this, it hurts. And the doctor said, well, don't do that. <laughs> that that's the solution. I said, don't watch it, Carolyn. Don't watch it. I hope she's not watching today because <laughs> when I get home, I'll be in trouble. That's like when I used to preach with Brother Osteen. <laughs> Dodie, you remember, you came out of the Osteen's church. You remember Dodie controlled the house lights from her seat. And if John said something she didn't like, she turned the lights out on. <laughs> yeah. And, and one, one time she did it to me. And, and I was there one time hearing Brother John, and all of a sudden the lights went out. And I thought, what, what happened to the lights? And he said, Dodie, I'm sorry, turn the lights back on. She, she controlled them from her seat. If John said something that she didn't like, and she just turned the lights off. And so I was preaching that night, and I said something about Carolyn, and the lights went off. I said, Dodie, I... Uh, I'm sorry, turn the lights on. She said, no, not until you apologize to Carolyn. I said, well, I can't see her. She's not here. She said, it'll be recorded and I'll send it to her. Tell her, Jer tell her, Carolyn, I'm sorry. I said, Carolyn, I'm sorry. She turned the lights back on. Mary Jane, you don't control the lights here, do you? <laughs> okay. Amen. No, if you do, if that's depressing, just don't watch it anymore. Because it's designed by Satan to create fear. And fear will rob you of the blessings of God. Can you say amen? amen? You know, even though our world has changed, God hasn't. Even though our world has changed, we were talking this morning, it's not, it's not the world I grew up in. It's not your grandpa's world, you know. It, everything has changed. I don't recognize this world that we're living in today. I don't even recognize this nation that I'm living in today. But I do know this. God has not changed. He says, I change not. Not only that, the Bible says in the book of Isaiah, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. So if you have based your life and built your life on the word of God, then you have nothing to fear because the word is not going to change. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. So I want to encourage you this morning. Don't let go of your dreams, regardless of what's happening around you. 
Now I realize, and I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not a spiritual ostrich with my head buried in the sand. I realize there's trouble all around us. I'm not denying that. But with him on our side, as David said, we can be fearless. Can you say amen? amen. So let me share this with you. And, and, and I want to encourage you to, to make this decision as well. Quitting is not an option. Giving up, turning back is not an option. Not if you want God's best in your life. You're the God that makes things happen. He always has been and he always will be. And that's the God I serve. And I believe it's the God you serve. Now in Ephesians chapter six, as you well know, the apostle Paul says this, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The Amplified says, in conclusion, be strong in the Lord. Be empowered through your union with him. Draw your strength from him. That strength which his boundless might provides. Draw your strength from him. I know a lot of people don't want to hear this, but when I see Christians in fear, that tells me they're not spending enough quality time with the Lord. Notice it says, draw your strength from him, from your union with him. So if you've allowed fear to come into your life, you've allowed fear to take control of your life, then the bottom line is, you may not want to hear it, but the bottom line is you're not spending enough quality time with the Lord. Amen. Turn the TV off and go get in your Bible. Come on. I could stop right there and end the sermon, but I'm not going to. <laughs> Amen. Now, it goes on to say, put on God's armor that you may be able to successfully stand against all the strategies of the devil that you might successfully be able to stand against all the strategies of the devil. And one of the strategies of the devil is to discourage you to the point that you no longer believe that the dream that God has given you will come to pass. You know, um, when I first came to the Lord in 1969, and you've heard me tell this before, but it's my sermon, I wanna hear it again. <laughs> And uh, uh, I had owned an automotive business before going into the ministry. And the Lord impressed upon me to shut the business down and spend the next three months, no less than eight hours a day, studying the Word of God. And so I shut my business down and I went to my guest bedroom and I'd go in there every morning at six o'clock and I'd come out at noon to fellowship with my family, have lunch with them. Then I'd go back in at one o'clock and not come out till five o'clock. Then I'd have dinner with my family and do whatever they wanted me to do. And as soon as they went to bed, I went back in that guest bedroom. And most of those eight hours a day turned into 12, 15, sometimes 18 hours a day. And, and that was the same commitment that I'd made to my business because I wanted to be successful in business. So I didn't think twice about doing that with studying the word of God. In fact, once I started studying it, I couldn't get enough of it. Eight hours was not enough for me. And so I just, I just study and study and study. 
And at the end of three months, uh, as being obedient to the Lord, I came out of that bedroom with a revelation of who I was in Christ, what belonged to me in Christ, and what I could do in Christ. Amen. Amen. And uh, uh, I was determined that this life of faith is the way I was going to live. Now, men like Kenneth Copeland and Kenneth Hagin, Oral Roberts and T.L. Osborne helped me to develop that life of faith. They were my mentors. Even before I knew them, they became my mentors. I studied their resources, their books, their tapes back then, reel-to-reel tapes. I'd turn on one of those tapes and, and play it and, and then turn it on again and play it again. And I'd go over and over and over until I had almost written down in my notebook word for word everything on those tapes. And so uh, I was learning how to live the life of faith, which meant I could no longer be moved by what I heard, what I saw, and what I felt. How many of you heard that before? I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what I hear. And I'm not moved by what I feel. That's the basic foundation for the life of faith. Uh, I thought Kenneth Copeland came up with that. Come to find out, he got it from Smith Wigglesworth, from his material. But that's what I heard in 1969. And I made a decision that someday I'm going to get to the place where I'm not moved by what I see. And I'm not moved by what I feel. And I'm not moved by what I hear. That didn't happen overnight, but in time it happened. And that's the way I live today. I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what I hear. And I'm not moved by what I feel. If I, ha if I was, I wouldn't be where I am today. I wouldn't have accomplished what I've accomplished. I wouldn't see and, ex and, and have and, and do, be doing what I'm seeing and have and do today. Amen. 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 So that's a decision that I made 52 years ago and I haven't backed off of it. Now, a lot of Christians have never made that decision. And that's the reason why in a pandemic, they're, they're having trouble believing the word and, and still having confidence in God. You, you can't imagine. Now, I started traveling again in August of 2020, and I've been traveling ever since. I haven't gone overseas, as I mentioned, but I've been traveling all over America. In fact, just a few days I leave here, I'll be in Omaha, Nebraska. When I leave there, uh, I'll be in uh, uh, Washington, D.C., uh, Philadelphia, all over the northeastern part of the United States. I haven't stopped traveling just overseas, but that's subject to change. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> And I'm, I'm eager to get back to the world. But even if I never travel the world again, from my studios in Crowley, Texas, I can reach the whole world. Amen. Now, I'd, be, I'd rather be traveling than just doing meetings from my studios. But the decision has been that we are not letting up. We are not changing anything we're doing. And we're certainly not changing the way we live because it still works. I like to say, when the rest of the world is screaming worst of times, we've been having our best of times. Yes. We broke all records in 2020. Our finances in 2020 went through the roof. 
We never had a better year in the history of this ministry. And coming into 2021, it broke all the records that 2020 broke. And we are on pace right now to experience the greatest time we've ever had in 52 years of ministry. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, I'm not saying that's because I'm so special. I'm saying that because God's so special and God is on my side and with him, how can I be defeated? Can you say amen? amen. Sometimes we need to just remind ourselves of what we used to believe. Come on. Come on. Are you still here? Amen. You know, we call ourselves faith people. Are we faith people for a season? Are we faith people for life? No matter what's going on. You know, I'm a lifer. Come on. <laughs> I'm a lifer. I'm in this for the rest of my life. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. And I trust you are too. Yes, so notice once again, the apostle Paul tells us from the amplified version, he says, draw your strength from him. That strength, which his boundless might provides. So the only way that you can do that is to be in fellowship with him. Amen. Constant fellowship with him. Once again, he says, put on God's armor that you may be able to successfully stand against all the strategies of the devil. And once again, one of the primary strategies of Satan today is to get people so fearful that they now believe that their dream is impossible to ever be fulfilled. I, I mentioned earlier that when I went into the ministry in 1969, the Lord told me to journal everything he said to me. And I've been doing that now for 52 years. And after a year is over, I take those journals and I put them in my archives. And I started journaling everything the Lord said to me in 1969. And one day in prayer, he said to me, you will not be able to fulfill what I've called you to do without airplanes in your ministry. And he said, now I want you to start believing for them now when you don't need them. And then when you do need them, they'll be there. And then he said this, now I'm writing this in my journal. And he said, I don't want you ever flying airplanes with debt on them. Believe them, believe me for them debt free. I wrote that in the journal. I wrote it with fear and trembling. <laughs> because everything I had at that time was in, I was in debt for it. I had debt on the house. I had debt on Carolyn's car. I had debt on my truck. I had, uh, I was still paying debts off from my business. I still owed parts companies. I still owed paint companies. Uh, I owed two companies. Uh, everything I had was in debt. The, the refrigerator still had notes on it. The washing machine still had notes on it. I think we still had three notes on the broom. Everything we had, <laughs> there was debt on it. And now God's talking debt-free airplanes. Does he not understand how we live down here? That's impossible. In the natural, it was impossible. But I wrote it down. And, and I thought at first when I wrote it down, how in the world with somebody who is in debt up to here, ever be able to afford a debt-free airplane? Yeah. 
but God said it. So I'm going to have to get my faith up to that level. And how do I do that? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Just keep feeding on the word. Keep feeding on the word, feeding on the word. Well, that later that year, this is 1969, December of that year, our pastor said that uh, we were going to have a watch night service on New Year's Eve. I had to ask Carolyn what a watch night service was. Now, she grew up in this church. She'd been filled with the Holy Ghost since she's eight years old. And, and Carolyn and the Holy Ghost were about one and the same as far as I was concerned because <laughs> she helped interpret everything for me because I didn't know anything, you know. And I said, what's a watch night service? She said, we're going to have church all night. I said, you're kidding. <laughs> church all night? And she said, yeah, you'll enjoy it. I said, what are we going to do? She said, well... She called it, she said, there are several ministers in the church and, and pastor will allow them all to give a sermonette, a short sermon, she called it. And then there'll be a lot of singing and there'll be testimonies and then there'll be more singing and there'll be more sermonettes. And then pastor said, I've invited a man that I consider to be a prophet of God and he's going to be our keynote speaker. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to this. Now it's New Year's Eve. 1969, and we're all at the church, and uh, we're doing exactly what Carolyn had described. They're testifying. They're singing. There's sermonettes going on, and now it's time for the keynote speaker, which Pastor Jack Moore referred to as a prophet of God. Now, I've never sat under a prophet's ministry, so this is my first time, and he said he had a word from God for this church, and so he began to deliver it. And then he said, now, the Lord's instructed me to lay hands on every man in this church. I'll lay hands on the women later if they desire, but especially <clears throat> lay hands on all the men. He said, so men stand up and form a line around the walls of the church. So there were, I don't know, there were probably 150, 200 men in the church. Thank you, Dylan. And, uh, excuse me. And by the way, you have, to, you have to explain everything these days. That's honey and water, only honey and water. It's not homebrew, okay? I don't bring my own homebrew, okay? Well, I guess you could call it homebrew, but without the alcohol, okay? It just soothes my throat. And uh, so I was looking forward to this. The prophet's going to lay hands on us. So there were about 150 to 200 men in that church that night. And I'm way back here at the end of the line, almost. And so now I understand why we're going to have church all night. It's going to take a while to lay hands on all these men. And so now we're working away, and now it's my time. And I come up there, and the prophet is standing on this side, and Pastor Jack Moore is standing on this side. And the prophet lays his hands on my head on the right side, and Pastor Jack lays his hands on my head on the left side. And the prophet says, airplanes, airplanes, airplanes. And Pastor Jack said, oh yeah, Jerry, fly, fly, fly. I didn't have a clue what that meant. So I started to walk off. And the, and the prophet said, no, wait, there's more. So I backed up. He put his hands on my head. Pastor put his hands on my head and said the same thing. Airplanes, airplanes, airplanes. Oh yeah, fly, fly, fly. 
They did that three times. After the third time, I just stood there. He said, you can go now. <laughs> so I went back and sat down next to Carolyn and I said, what did all that mean? She said, well, sounds like to me, boy, you're going to have airplanes, 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 and you're going to fly, fly, fly. <laughs> well, then I remembered that, that word the Lord gave me that I wrote in the journal. Yeah. You'll not be able to fulfill what I've called you to do without airplanes in your ministry. Start believing for them now when you don't need them, and when you need them, they'll be there. So I wrote that down. That was, that was uh, December. Well, by this time, it's now January the 1st, like 1 a.m., 1970. So I wrote that in my journal. Airplanes, 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 fly, fly, fly. Okay, now, Brother Copeland came to our city and to our church shortly after that. And as it turned out, he had an accident in his car on the way over there. He had a brand new 1969 Pontiac Bonneville, wiped out the whole left side of the car. And he knew, uh, had been told by my father-in-law that I had done paint and body work. And he asked me if I would repair his car while he was in town for the week. And I said, well, I don't have my shop anymore, but I still have my tools. And I'd be happy to do it if you don't mind me doing it at my home. He said, no, not at all. I said, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll repair your car for you. So he came over to watch me one day. Now he was there for a week in meetings, morning, afternoon, and evening. I couldn't go the morning and afternoon, but I didn't miss the evening services. So he came over and watched me one day. And he's standing there watching me grind this quarter panel down. And finally I stopped and I said, may I ask you some questions? He said, sure. I said, well, I don't know many people who live by faith, but you know how. Can you share some things with me about how to live by faith? And he was very gracious. He talked to me for a little while. And he said, now, uh, I got to go and get in prayer for the meeting tonight. You going to be there? I said, yes, sir, I will. So I could hardly wait to be there that night. So he, he started the service, preached for about 15 minutes, and then he just stopped and come off the platform. And I'm sitting about where this gentleman is. And he said, Jerry, stand up. I never clue what he's going to do. He said, God showed me today in prayer that you and I will be a team. And we'll spend the rest of our lives preaching the word of God around the world together. And it'll be your responsibility to believe God for the perfect timing for the team to begin. Sit down. Then he continued his sermon. I leaned over to Carolyn and said, what did that mean? <laughs> She said, I think we're moving to Fort Worth. I said, why? She said, he said, you're going to be a team and you're going to spend the rest of your lives preaching together all over the world. I thought, wow, what a privilege that would be. And so shortly after that, we moved to Fort Worth and I began traveling with Brother Copeland. Now back then, he'd only been in the ministry. He's going into his third year and not many people knew who Kenneth Copeland was back then. We'd traveled all over the country and he was a pilot a pilot. It just so happens he was a pilot. And now I'm flying for my very first time in private aircraft. It was owned by his ministry. And I'm sitting in the right seat in this little small uh, single engine Cessna that he was flying at the time. And I'm sitting in the right seat, flying with him to different meetings. And he's showing me things up there and he's teaching me and Every once in a while, he say, take the yoke. I'll show you how to fly this thing. And, and I'm, I'm watching, and 
And it wasn't long after that, I get the bug and I want to take flying lessons. So I start taking flying lessons and, and then uh, I, I worked with him for three years. And during that three year period, I watched him go from a single engine Cessna to a twin engine Cessna to a uh, turboprop Cessna. Okay. So three different airplanes I've been privileged to watch him believe God for debt free. The Bible says, follow those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So God has given me an example here of how to do this. And now all of a sudden it doesn't seem so impossible anymore because I've got evidence at worst because I'm working with a man who's just proved it. I've watched him believe God for three different debt-free airplanes. And now God instructed me to launch out into my own ministry at the end of 1973. And now I'm traveling and it gets to a point to where I can't get to all the places I'm invited to preach. And I went back to that journal and reminded the Lord of what he said. There will come a time you will not be able to fulfill what I've called you to do without airplanes. I said, Lord, that time has come. This would be a wonderful time for an airplane. And then I remembered him said, saying, and I don't want you flying airplanes with debt on them. Believe for them debt free. I said, Lord, I know how to do that now. And what I saw Brother Copeland do was sow seed for it. Every time he got a little extra money, he sowed seed for that airplane. Why? Because there's no such thing as a harvest without sowing seed. So I sowed seed everywhere I went. I sowed seed and I never told a soul. Nobody knew I was believing for an airplane, but my wife, my two daughters, and at that time, two staff members I had. That's the only people in the world other than Kenneth and Gloria Copeland because I sowed my first seed into their aviation department because every seed produces after its own kind. You plant watermelon seeds, you get watermelons. You plant apple seeds, you get apples. You don't plant cotton seeds and get carrots. Every seed produces after its own kind. So I sowed seed into his aviation department, believing God to begin my aviation department. Amen. Amen. And as they say, lo and behold, <laughs> my first airplane, debt-free airplane manifested in 1975, a twin engine Cessna. Oh, I was one happy camper, an airplane. And my first trip, was St. Simon Island, Georgia. I'll never forget it as long as I live. Setting up in that airplane, flying to St. Simon Island, Georgia, I couldn't wipe the smile off my face. Oh my goodness. And I'm thinking, look at this country bumpkin. I wonder how many airports I've flown over and how many people down there actually own an airplane. Dead free. God, you're something else. You're something else. Amen. He did it. And then one day the Lord said, there's two ministers that are hurting financially and you can help bail them out. I said, how Lord? He said, sell the airplane and divide the money and put it into both ministries and you'll save their ministries. Now, my first thought was, Well, how am I going to get to places? I'm human. You have the thoughts. I, I, you just don't 
let them stay, you cast them down. Right. I said, okay, Lord. And I, uh, there was a man out at the airport that loved my airplane, been trying to buy it from me for a long time. I went to him. I said, you still want to buy the airplane? He said, yes. I sold it to him, divided the money up and put it into those two ministries. And I might add, they're still going strong today. Praise God. Amen. But now I'm without an airplane, but I'm believing for my next one because he said, airplanes, airplanes, airplanes. That's more than one. Amen. And so I reminded the Lord, I went back to the journal. Airplanes, airplanes, airplanes. That's plural, Lord. <laughs> you didn't say airplane, singular. Airplanes, airplanes, airplanes. I said, there must be another one on the horizon. And I'm believing for it. And it didn't happen overnight, but it eventually happened. And it came debt free. Now, my story is this. That was 10 debt free airplanes ago. In 52 years, 10 debt free airplanes ago. And the one I'm flying today, <clears throat> it'll take me anywhere in the world. I never have to fly commercial airlines again. When the world opens, and guess when it happened? 2020. September the 29th, 2020. A 20-year dream of an international jet, because I have preached in 49 different nations, personally, been there, 49 different nations. And I've been believing God for an international airplane for 20 years. I didn't need it 20 years ago, but I started believing for it 20 years ago. And it manifested debt-free in 2020. Amen. When the world is screaming worst of times, Jerry Savelle is having his best of times. Amen. Amen. Why? Because I will not allow fear to control me. I'm not going to allow fear to rob me of my dream. I'm not going to allow a pandemic to stop me from believing God to accomplish everything he's promised me that he will accomplish. And I encourage you, make the same decision. Come on, give the Lord a shout if you believe it. Praise God. Amen. All right, my time is up, but let me just close with this. Listen to this. Proverbs 24, 16, I'm sure you're familiar with it. It says, for a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again. You might get knocked down. You might even be down at this very moment. You may have allowed fear to grip you. And you may have allowed your dream to be put on the shelf or put in the closet. You may feel as though why would I keep pursuing it with what's going on around me right now? So you may feel like you're one of those who has fallen. And the Bible says a just man. Didn't say a sinner, a just man. He may fall seven times, but he rises up again. Amen. In other words, no quit, yeah. no giving up. Amen. Amen. 
The New Century Version says this, even though good people may be bothered by trouble, they are never defeated. Even though good people are bothered by trouble, they are never defeated. Amen. 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 So that means there is hope for your future. Don't allow what's going on in our world, in our nation, in the news to rob you of the dream that God has given you. It's still possible. In fact, Mary Jean asked me if I had received the prophetic word for 2022. I said, yes, I have. She said, you're going to be preaching it this morning? I said, no, I'm not. <laughs> but you know what? I think I'll preach it tonight. Amen. Amen. Because it, it goes right along with what I'm saying to you. I usually preach it in my church for three weeks before I take it to the rest of the world. But I've been persuaded. So don't miss tonight. Amen. Because Amen. It, is, it is a powerful word from the Lord. Amen. So the bottom line to my message this morning is simply this. Don't let fear take control in your life. God has not given you the spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. And your faith is still the victory that overcometh the world. Can you give the Lord a good shout? Praise God. Amen. Let's all stand, if you will, please. And let me just pray over you. Father, in the name of Jesus... I pray that my words have been inspiring to those that needed it, encouraging to those that needed it, providing strength and confidence and hope for those that needed it. And in the name of Jesus, I just simply am endeavoring to convey that our God is the God who still makes things happen. Regardless of what's going on around us, our God is still the God who makes things happen. And I pray that they'll be strengthened this morning, encouraged, and that they'll leave here with a bounce in their step, a joy in their heart, and a positive confession in Jesus' mighty name. And we give you praise for it. Amen. Give the Lord your best shout. Fantastic.